Welcome to Unscripted with Pastor Nate Morris. Here each week we engage in candid conversations with Nate, focusing in on some of the subjects brought up in the Sunday morning teaching shared at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel. What does being a Christian mean to you? Is it the pursuit of knowledge, getting to know who God is, who Jesus is? Or is it a pursuit of relationship, getting to know God and getting to know Jesus? There is a difference between the two, and it's a very important difference. In this episode of Unscripted, we discuss the difference between knowing about the Lord and actually knowing the Lord, and why it matters. Let's join the discussion now. Well, hey, Nate, how was your Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Christmas was good. Like Christmas Day was good, and then we all kind of got pretty sick there afterwards with RSV. So we were kind of in bed uh, all week, but such but a bummer. not bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we haven't been with you on the podcast here for a couple of weeks, but uh, it's good to be back, uh, back talking about the Sunday teaching that, that Nate gave to this last Sunday in, in Ephesians. And, you know, in this teaching, you mentioned how uh, you were sick and tired that past week before uh, Sunday. And, uh, both teachings, it, it seemed like you were totally fine, but you had mentioned how you were real tired and stuff. And so I wanted to ask you, what is the most tired you've ever been? Most tired was probably a couple of Christmases ago because uh, it was in 2019, actually. I remember I went to India the week before Christmas. Oh, wow. um, so we did this mission trip to India. We were out there. Christmas time, um, and came back. It was a kind of a whirlwind trip. Came back uh, the the same week as our Christmas Eve services. So I came back and did a whole bunch of prep for Christmas stuff. And mm-hmm. then uh, I remember after, like on Christmas Day, after our Christmas Eve services, I was just done. Oh, done. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's probably the most tired I think that I remember being. So, well, the focus of the teaching this past week was. Uh, <clears throat> Correct me if I'm wrong, but what I got from it was really focusing in on the importance of knowing the Lord. And you talked about the difference between knowing about Jesus and actually knowing Jesus. What what is the difference between those two? If you could sum that up, like uh, what's what's the difference between just knowing about Jesus and actually knowing Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think that it's easy as a Christian to make our faith an intellectual faith um, because there's an intellectual aspect to it. You know, we we want to study the scriptures, we want to know the word, we want to rightly divide the word of truth, we want to um, you know really know the ins and outs. Um, <clears throat> but knowing a about our faith or knowing about Jesus isn't the same thing as actively engaging in relationship with Jesus. Um, you can read the Bible and not engage it with relationship with Jesus at all in some place. I mean, reading the Bible is good and you can, you can absolutely engage in relationship with Jesus by reading the Bible, but it's easy to do that and not actually interact with the Lord at all. Um, and so I think knowing him is, is exactly what it sounds like being in relationship with him and having the life of the spirit flowing through you and, um, 
tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, right? Mm. And so sometimes we believe and we know, um, but when it comes to tasting, we're not doing that, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, so, I mean, since Jesus isn't here physically and you know, there were, there were people even when he was here physically who interacted with him, mm-hmm. but they didn't really have a relationship with him. Like if a person is struggling with like, man, do I just know about Jesus or do I actually know him? What, what could be, can you think of any qualifiers that would be like, this is what it looks like to actually know him versus just knowing about him? Like, are, are there any things that, that come to your mind that would show a person like, oh no, I actually know him. I don't just know about him. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, <laughs> this is a, this is a, a, this is kind of a funny reference, but if you've ever seen the movie Elf. Oh gosh. Only about 800 times. Yeah. <laughs> we actually didn't watch Elf at my family this year, I'm, which is surprising. It's usually a, a, an annual That's tradition. why you guys are sick. Yes, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's what happened. That, that's why. <laughs> right. Um, so in the movie Elf, there's there's like Santa, right? The idea of Santa and uh, the, the all of the you know mall Santas. Everybody knows about Santa, but when when <laughs> Elf is in the mall, I see where you're going say, with this. Yeah. <laughs> when El- when he's in the mall, when Buddy's in the mall. And um, they're like, Santa's coming to town. And he's like, Santa, I know him. I know him. You know? <laughs> it's like, it's a totally, it's a totally different thing than the, mm-hmm. the, the kids that know about Santa. Now, of course we know Santa's not real, all that <laughs> stuff, but whatever. But, um, but the, all the kids that know about Santa versus Elf, like he, buddy knew him in that picture, you know? And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's really kind of, if you think about that in, in regards to our faith, um, I think there's different degrees of knowing him. I think that there are people that think that they know him and don't, I think probably more likely and more often are people who do know him, but aren't knowing him, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, like we know, we know God and we have tasted that relationship with God and we've experienced his love and his goodness and his favor, but then we, um, somewhere along the line allow ourselves to intellectualize our faith or to compartmentalize our faith into this area where um my faith is about this 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 and this and we kind of push god out or box god out intentionally or unintentionally you know sometimes it can be intentional Mm. because of sin or something in our lives or it can be unintentionally where we just get busy and distracted and we fall back into religious habits um yeah and and I think that's that like man's default relation to God is in religion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why every culture in the world has a religious tradition of some sort, um, because that's the way that we think innately that it should be is this kind of religious interaction. Mm-hmm. But religion is knowing about him, right? Where versus actually knowing him and being invested right. in relationship with him. So like, what are the things that you could say that I am knowing him? I think if you are, you, you know it, you know, I think you, mm-hmm. you have those moments where you, 
hear from the Lord in a sense. You have those moments where um, he's opening up the scriptures to you and speaking something new to you and fresh to you. It's not that you're mm -hmm. always in the on a spiritual high by any stretch, right. because I think knowing him in the lowest of lows is key too. But um, you're seeing the fruit of the spirit in your life. Um, you're there's there's just things that are that it's like no, I, I'm engaged in this relationship with God mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> versus. I'm just studying the Bible and learning more about, about God. And it's kind of like my old youth pastor um, would talk about his days in seminary when he was, when he was in seminary and he always called it cemetery. Um, <laughs> but he's, and he, he was just a goofball, but he, he, partly he said that to joke, but then partly he was like, that's where people go to lose their faith because they go to seminary and suddenly this relationship that they had with God and this excitement that they had about God and the desire to go and serve God became an intellectual exercise yeah and it became a graded paper and you know these types yeah. of things and so i think when we when we make our christianity a religion even if we know it's a relationship when we make it a religion or we practice it as a religion uh we're not knowing god we're just um going through the motions so yeah yeah, yeah that's a i know a, a scripture that really always made me shake uh, when I was just in religion and not really having real relationship with the Lord is in Matthew 7, where Jesus mm -hmm. says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Right. Apart from me. And that, that was the thing that, that always got me is like, you know, I knew the Lord, like I knew all about him and what he had done and all of that, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but did he know me? And that's that, I guess that relationship part yeah. that, uh, is, you know, I think that, uh, I guess I've characterized it to people in the past as like, is he speaking into your life? Do you just like have all this knowledge about him or is he actively working in your life and talking to you and speaking mm -hmm. to you and leading you and guiding you that that helps you know that you're in relationship with him. Uh, right. You shared this scripture from John five. I'm going to share it out of the new living translation here in verses 39 and 40. And <coughs> Jesus is speaking to the Jewish religious leaders of his day. And he said to them, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, Jesus said. And then he says, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Why do you think, and this is just speculation, just interested in your perspective on this. Why do you think that there are some people who prefer knowing a lot about the Lord but they refuse to come to him, you know, that he used that. And that's in the new living translation where he puts it like that. Yet you refuse mm -hmm. to come to me. Why do you think there are people who are more comfortable just in having knowledge about the Lord, but they really don't want to engage in that relationship with him? Yeah. I think that there are several reasons that come to my mind. <clears throat> One is people are afraid of, um, and I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it, afraid of being fully exposed before the Lord, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Afraid of God actually searching their hearts and revealing what's in there. Mm -hmm. 
the funny thing about that is he knows anyways, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not like he doesn't see that attitude or that sinful thought or those habits. He knows that they're there, right. um, <clears throat> but, but I think people get afraid to, to come and allow him access to those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing is that people want to be in control and when you really come to Jesus, you have to give up control. You have to give up control of your life and let him take control. And that's a scary thing too. I think it's fear really more than anything. I think it's fear either from a wrong concept of God where they feel that they're going to be judged because of their uh, inadequacies or fear of losing their control and what they want to see in their life. And it, it Mm. feels good to know a lot and to be, it's really prideful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It feels good to be the smartest person in the room. It feels good to have all the answers. It feels good to be able to say, well, no, this is what's actually going on. Um, Right. But that's not what our faith is about. Our faith is about knowing Christ. And so, um, you can have all the right answers and not have the relationship, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, I guess, you know, like when you have it all figured out too, and I think we see this with the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day that Jesus was speaking to mm-hmm. is they had loopholes, you know, that when right. you have, when it's like you're in control, like you said, of this situation, this relationship with God or whatever mm-hmm. your religion then you know these loopholes like i can do this on friday night and then go to confession yeah on saturday totally and then do some penance for that and mm-hmm. this is how i can live my life and i can still do these sinful things that i want to do and then and you find these loopholes in that rather than when you just come to him like you, yeah you do you lose that control i think that i think you're so right on about that that it's just it's really an issue of control, which does go back to pride, you know, just wanting to be in control. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, it, it, it's, I think people are more comfortable being in control and even like with their own failure, um, yet still having their own, like, I have to live up to this or I have to do that than they are just truly surrendering to God because, mm. because it's a scary thing because <laughs> you don't know what he's going to do. You know, you don't yeah. like you, he's, he's an unknown factor and, um, it's, it's a lot easier just to, to get all the facts and to, to be very religious, you know? Yeah. And I, I guess this kind of goes back to what I was asking before about how do you know that you actually know the Lord, have a relationship with the Lord and stuff. Um, I wonder if that is part of the issue is like security in salvation. If people mm-hmm. are just doing it from a knowledge thing, then they're like, okay, I got all the boxes checked. I've got, I've got it all figured out. So my salvation is actually in my control yeah. rather than my salvation being in control. So how can a person then have a security in their salvation if it's not based on their knowledge, but it's based on this relationship. Like, like how can I find security to know that I'm saved when the issue is relationship? Yeah. And I guess it's kind of a similar question to what I asked earlier, but. 
Yeah, I think it's just your it's it's the same thing that we that we come to in, in our initial moment of faith. It's saying that I have nothing to give, nothing to offer, and no leverage, <laughs> only mm -hmm. but to throw myself on his grace, you know? And it's completely and one hundred percent trusting on the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Um, and believing that he, that what he says he's going to do, you know, that, <clears throat> that he isn't what I envision him to be in my mind, but he is what his word says that he is. And so when yeah. it says that if I put my faith and trust in Jesus that I'm forgiven and I'm sealed for eternity, then that's a done fact and nothing that I think about myself or think about God or even believe about the situation changes that that's, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's the reality of the situation is I am saved because of what he did, not because of what I did. And, um, but I think that this is, <clears throat> this is kind of, uh, what I think people tend to do though. It's not just even about salvation, but I think we tend to re relate to God either from a standpoint of, I'm such a sinner. I don't know if God can accept me. So on one end of the spectrum, you know, it's like, we're, we we're like the, the younger brother in the, um, in the prodigal son story, right? That's mm -hmm. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. I keep failing. Mm -hmm. Hopefully God can just endure my stench, you know, um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which, which the, that's the reality for all of us really is like, that's, yeah. that's where we really stand with God. But then on the other end of the spectrum, I think that some people relate to God, maybe knowing that that's true about themselves, but on the flip side of it, they think that if I do X, Y, or Z, then I get God to owe me. Mm. Um, if I live a good life, then I'm due blessing or I'm due, um, you know, favor or God should take care of this for me. And so we relate to God, you know, based on what, <clears throat> what our fear is, you know, so it's like, I'm afraid that I'm not good enough, or we relate to God based on our pride and self-knowledge. Mm. Um, and there's a guy, uh, Michael Wells that talks about this when he talks about it in terms of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, and it's an interesting concept and I don't fully know what I think about it, but it's a good illustration. <laughs> so I'll kind of share kind of his, his thought on this is it, it, there's two trees in the garden, right? There's the tree and there's more than that, but there are two primary trees in the story of the garden of Eden. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Right. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the one that God told Adam not to eat from. Right. And Adam went there and he ate from it, Adam and Eve. And, um, you know, Michael Wells kind of gives this analogy of there being two sides to the, to that tree, that there's the tree, there's the, the evil side and there's the good side. And both of them are knowledge, right? Both of them. So on the evil side, it's, you know, we give in to sin and we have this knowledge that we are essentially doomed apart from God. But the good side of the tree is just as lost as the bad side of the tree because the tree doesn't give life where mm. the tree of life is where we yeah. get life, you know, and it's kind of, yeah. it relates back to what, um, Isaiah said where, when he said, you know, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Mm -hmm. Um, or when Paul in <clears throat> Philippians, he says, I've counted all the good things that I did in my life as rubbish or dung, dung. literally is the word, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I, like I count them as excrement compared right. to the knowledge of knowing Christ, because those things couldn't get me anything. So like all mm. of our good deeds 
can't get us anything. All of our goodness as Christians, all of our righteous living is as filthy rags. We don't eat from the tr knowledge of good, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No, we want to eat from the tree of life, which is mm -hmm. that relationship with God. And so when we relate to God from the standpoint of our good works or not doing bad things, um, then we are missing out on relationship just as much as if we're walking in a sinful, you know, habit or lifestyle because we're not coming to the source. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you can't, is it possible to sinfully memorize the Bible? I mean, I think not, maybe not sinfully in the sense of like define it as a sin, but you can look to the scriptures for life and not find it and be missing the point of it all, just as Jesus said, you know? Um, so I think it's th that what we, what we want to be doing is eating from the tree of life, which is Christ himself, you know, is that right. he said, I'm the bread of life, um, and coming to him to receive that life. And it's found in that relationship with him. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, uh, you said in the teaching, you talked about the, the dis, uh, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but the distance between uh, heaven and hell is the difference between the the head and the heart. Is that something like that? Am I getting close? <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, I don't know that I, I don't know how I, maybe I said something off the cuff that I'm not sure of, but I was talking about making the, the information, making the trip from our head down to our heart. Right. Yeah. Maybe um, I've heard that somewhere else. Maybe it wasn't something that you said, but I've heard that before, like the difference between So the heart in, in scripture, you know, is often speaking of the place of emotion where emotions come from you know the mind speaking more of the thoughts Which, and stuff but the, the funny thing about that is the the actual word for heart in the scripture is bowels <laughs> yeah <laughs> bowels yeah yeah so but we don't like, we don't use that when we translate it into english they make it hard because nobody wants to think about <laughs> you're <that>. right <laughs> but that's where that's where everything is the important parts um <laughs> right but the uh yeah i think of it as getting butterflies when i think of that the, yes the bowels yeah. reference you know but how does, so, you know, it seems like the church flows through these different seasons of emotion, right? You know, like mm -hmm. emotion is not important at all. The Stoics, you know, just like emotion's evil and, you know, we're not to show any emotion. And then, you know, you see some churches that like, it's all about emotion. Like, you know, that's the whole point of the church service is to try right. and generate some type of emotion. Where does emotion play if, it, if it's about the heart? And that's the seat of emotions. Like, where does emotion play in this as far as a relationship with the Lord? Is it to be an emotional encounter with him? Uh, does that matter? Or is it just all a, a knowledge-based type thing, a stoic, you know, what, I'm sure it's kind of a combination, but I'm just interested in your thoughts on that. Like, yeah. where, does, where does emotion fit into all of this? Yeah. I think um, that our relationship with God certainly is emotional, but it's not only emotional. And it's not always an emotional high either. Um, yeah, I think so. Like, th like, for example, like if I see my son out playing in my front yard, and he's doing, you know, he's just kind of hanging out and doing like the right thing. He's just kind of, you know, doing what I would want for him to be doing, you know, mm -hmm. he's not going to hear from me, just walking through what he's doing. But if my son walks out in the middle of the street and there's a car coming, I'm going to step outside and I'm going to yell at him. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And he's going right. to feel like, what did I do wrong? And it's like, well, you stepped out into the street. I'm trying to protect you, right? And I think sometimes when people are looking for an emotional high from God, that they're looking for those moments when God is knocking the doors down or or stepping out into the street and yelling for us to pay attention where I, like those things happen and there's the emotional highs and the emotional lows and there's the moments of conviction that God brings and there's the moments mm-hmm. of comfort and peace that he brings for sure those are emotional experiences and those are part of our relationship with God but if what we're looking for in this relationship with God is just this like constant emotional bliss um, that's not a relation. That's not a normal relationship. You know what I mean? That's not, mm, the, that's not yeah. the way that my relationship is with my wife, um, right. or my friends. There are incredible moments there, but it's not right. like a normal relationship is walking through life together. And there's times when I will be praying while I'm doing the dishes or something like that. You know what I mean? And there's right. not, there's not this big high emotional moment, but I'm just there with God, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I think I think that you can have two different errors. I think you can go way too emotional, like some people do, always looking for the next emotional high and doing whatever you can to cause that to happen. Kind of like the um, <clears throat> the four hundred prophets of Baal as they're standing off against Elijah, Elijah, mm. and uh, they're like dancing and cutting themselves and beating themselves, and like right. we're going to work up this frenzy to to make God respond to us. Um, yeah. I think we can do that same thing. But there's also just a quiet stillness to relationship with God that is not, um, it's not always loud. In fact, I'd say it's not frequently Mm -hmm. loud. I'd say Mm -hmm. it's more like a a quiet underpinning of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I've likened it before to, uh, it's more fun to go. Uh, see a movie with my wife than go by myself. Actually, I've never gone and seen a movie by myself. (laughs) Yeah. Like I've only done it with my wife or friends or something like that. But when you're in the movie, you're not interacting with the people that you went with. You're watching the movie, but it just feels better to be there with them. Yeah. It's a shared experience. um, Yeah. And I I think of that in my relationship with the Lord. A lot of times it's like going through life and he's beside me, you know, and I might not be turned towards him, talking to him constantly, you know, just like Mm -hmm. completely focus on him. I may be focused on driving or something, you know, like, but he's there with me in that. And so it may not always, like you said, be an emotional high, but there's just a connection. And I, and I hate to, I, I like, you know, I want to make it really concrete so it's understandable to everybody, but there's a certain aspect, at least in my mind, that you just can't put a definition to it. You can't yeah. fully explain it, but there's just a connection. And I, I think once you experience it, you're like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, but it's, it's really hard to explain as well. So, you know, another thing that you, you talked about in the teaching is that, uh, you're, you spoke about a, a satisfaction that that people are looking for in life, and they're looking for the satisfaction through what Jesus will do for them. Mm-hmm. And you, were, you were saying that the satisfaction that we're looking for isn't found in the things that the Lord does for us, but just in the Lord. Um, could you share an experience from your life where you experienced satisfaction, even though God didn't do for you what you wanted him to do for you? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, 
I can, there's a, there's a number of places that I could go with that. Um, but I think that what I've realized is a lot of times I feel a stress or a desire or a want or a perceived need over a situation in my life. And so then I turn to the Lord and ask God to intervene and, and my relationship with God becomes transactional, right? It's about like, right. God, would you provide this for me? Would you take care of this? And often he does because mm. he's a good father and he loves us, you know? Right. Um, but, but that's not my relationship with him, right? That's just mm. part of my relationship with him. Like my kids, if my only relationship with my kids is my kids coming to me and asking me for five bucks for the arcade or, you know, <laughs> like, dad, are we, what are we having for dinner? It's like, yeah. okay, those things are like, I care about those things. I do. And yeah. I care about them, but that's not my relationship with them. Mm. And so um, when we're looking for relationship with God in a transactional way, we're missing the richness of relationship that's there. And sometimes I would say that he withholds the transactional blessings from us in order to give us the relationship blessings with him. Hmm. Um, and that's going to be something that some people that are listening to this are not excited to hear <laughs> because yeah. they're thinking, oh, what I really need is this. What yeah. I really need is this relationship to be fixed with my my spouse. What I really need is my mm -hmm. finances to be fixed. What I really need is this X, Y, or Z. But that's not actually what you need. Now, I'm not saying that God's not going to take care of that. But mm. um, what he really wants is your heart. And what he really wants to do is to, to meet and bless your spiritual needs there. And so mm -hmm. I remember a time, <clears throat> the first time that I ever really experienced this, when I was just going through a really heavy um, spiritual and emotional faith-shaking trial in my life. And um, it was really challenging. And I was at the point of actually doubting my faith. And I was just like, it was just an incredibly hard time. And... Um, <clears throat> I remember as I was going through this, this time through this trial, suddenly I, I just saw almost for a minute, God's perspective on the whole thing. And my heart towards it actually changed. And mm -hmm. suddenly I was grateful for the trial that I was going through. Um, mm -hmm. And it drove me closer to God at that moment, rather than being this faith shaking thing. It was like, no, wait a second it shifted and suddenly that trial was driving me into the heart of Christ mm. and um, rather than pulling me away. And I was thankful for the trial, for the hardship at that time. God didn't answer my prayer for deliverance from that. <laughs> um, in fact, he didn't deliver the, me from the, that trial in that, in that moment. It just didn't actually happen. And it wasn't mm. like an, a, a deliverance that came later. I had to go through it. And, um, and yet in that moment, um, I had gratitude because of how it pushed me towards Christ and my relationship with him in that moment. And, um, <clears throat> I think that's kind of what I was getting at before too, is that sometimes God will withhold the, the, the blessing or the desire from us in order to give us the greater blessing of relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. Totally understand that. I went through that in cancer treatment and just 
uh, asking God to take away some pain that he didn't take away and yeah, just like asked him to <clears throat> let me know that he was there. And I just, I didn't sense anything, that emotional thing, like what we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. but he was faithful. And as I came out of it later, I could see his faithfulness in the whole thing. But it, I think a lot of times in the moment, we don't see it, you know, and there is a satisfaction though that that comes when you come out of it, you know, yeah. that season, whatever it is, that you're like, man, the Lord is real and He's He's faithful, and it just gives you such a security and a courage, you know, to face life right. in so many different ways that just a knowledge I don't think can get you there. So yeah. Well, one last thing that you spoke about that I wanted to mention in this podcast was you talked about the exceedingly great power of God mentioned in Ephesians and how that power can be applied to our lives specifically to like overcome destructive things in our lives, destructive habits and stuff. And I was just thinking there might be somebody listening to this that is struggling with something and needs that that power of God to overcome whatever they're struggling with. How does a person practically apply the power of God to their lives to overcome these things that they're struggling with. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think particularly if we're talking about like struggling with an addiction or a sin habit, um, I I think that it is 100% recognizing that you have no power over that thing, but that mm-hmm. God has all power over that thing. Um, the 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 reality is that our sin nature if we are operating in our flesh we cannot please god right and Mm. um it's kind of goes back again to the what i was talking about earlier with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you can try really hard to not do the wrong thing and work your way out of that alcoholism or whatever it is um, but I've seen alcoholics who had been sober for 30 years and were still alcoholics. And mm, right. that's not the exchange life that Jesus offers us. We're a new yeah. creation yeah. when we're yeah. when we're given life in Christ. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting down AA or any of these things, but the power that Christ offers us transforms us from death to life. So yeah. that everything that you were that was addicted that was caught in sin all of those things that person was nailed on the cross and now you are what christ is like you are as free from that addiction as jesus christ is from that addiction because you are a new creation in jesus christ and so it's not you tapping into jesus's power to overcome your sin it's the fact that jesus already overcame your sin and you just need to recognize that you are in christ and he has all power over those things. You don't have to submit to that anymore because you're in Christ. That old person is dead and on the cross. They died on the cross. Uh, that those chains were broken two thousand years ago. And I know that this sounds like, oh, that just sounds too simple. It sounds too hard. But I mean, <laughs> right. this, this comes from a person who struggled with addiction. You know, yeah. I struggled with addiction for years. And it went from one thing to another because I didn't like, you know, I I would find myself unhappy in my addiction. And so then I would quit that addiction and it would become another addiction. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think that the, the, the power of God is not in you tapping into some, you know, supernatural power to use at your disposal, but recognizing that you have nothing 
but Christ has everything. And so mm. in that moment, in a moment by moment, walk with God, recognizing that you are free from that, yeah. that struggle and that he already broke that chain and that the power of Jesus, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is just waiting to raise you from that struggle mm. that you're in right there. Um, and it's not up to you to do it. You can't do it. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's his work. Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. If you'd like more material from Pastor Nate, you can go to pastornate.com. That's the word pastor, the letter N, and the number eight.com. And for more information about our church, you can connect with us through our website at mountainlife.church. Hope you can join us again next week as we continue the conversation.